Just quickly look in the ceiling. Who could you argue? Take your time. I don't have anything else to do tonight. You joking or what? Yes, I'm joking. What do you think I do here? What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, on a Thursday, Levin Black. Hi, Levin. Hey, Rob. (laughs) I I was waiting for you to come up with some sort of witty response to that. It took you a few weeks. (laughs) I don't put a whole lot of thought into it. Normally, I'm busy trying to get my last minute crap together as you're doing the introduction. So I'm like, Half listening to you. That's more than you listen to me during the rest of the show. So I guess I should be happy. Uh, Please continue to rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We love your reviews, good, bad, or ugly. If you take the time to leave it, we will read it on the show. This one comes from David from the Bay. Five stars. Subject, best 49er podcast ever. Hey, Rob, my cousin recommended me this podcast back in 2019 and have been listening every day since. It was very surprising how everyone on the podcast are such huge fans of the team. Listeners like me are updated with just about everything involving the team. Injury reports, press conferences, sound bites, statistics. Keep up the great work and you and everyone on the show are doing. P.S. Just heard how bad you were doing in fantasy this year. LOL. Step your game up. Yes, I am doing terrible in fantasy, but, you know, them's the breaks. That's called karma for not inviting me. Look, I don't, we don't need to get into a whole thing, but like more points have been scored against my team than any other team in the league this year. That's all I'm saying. Everybody has their big week against me. What can I do? Oh, yeah. Well, let's see. My fantasy year this year, I uh, the top three scoring weeks of the year, I was the opponent in each one of them. Right. I, was, I ended up third overall because I had a bad last week, but I was first overall in points scored literally half the year. I missed playoffs to a team that scored about 30% less points than I did. That's how it goes, man. It's very frustrating. (laughs) And it's weird, too. The first week, you don't have to care about fantasy. You're like, oh, oh, yeah, I don't doesn't really matter anymore, does it? It's that's always a weird. It's kind of a depressing feeling. But anyway, let's start the podcast on a more fun note than talking about our terrible Too late for that. we started the podcast yeah i know we're four minutes in here <laughs> uh so just before we hit record tonight the pro bowl rosters were announced congratulations to all the 49ers that made it six starters nick bosa talanoa who oh, talanoa hufunga is not a starter i should say six people on the actual roster nick bosa talanoa hufunga kyle Yuschek, george kittle fred warner and trent williams in addition, Jake Brendel, Robbie Gold, Christian McCaffrey, Ray Ray McLeod, Debo, Mooney Ward, and Mitch Wisnowski were all selected as alternates. I don't know how you feel about this, Levin. I think Christian McCaffrey got screwed. Yeah, that's uh, one of the ones that stand out. I mean, there's a lot of options here for you to pick in terms of who you're angry didn't make it. But yeah, like to me, the one you probably take out is Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard it was is one of the backups. Uh, Saquon is the starter, but Pollard's technically not even the starter on his own team, <laughs> which so, is amazing, considering he has almost thirteen hundred all-purpose yards on the year. That's that's a credit to him. The problem with that is 
he still has 300 yards less than Christian McCaffrey on the year. In fact, McCaffrey leads all NFC running backs in all-purpose yards, and yet he couldn't be on the active Pro Bowl roster. And he did it coming to the Niners halfway through the year and having to learn the offense on the fly. Like, I, I, to me, that's the biggest whiff from this whole thing. Yeah, I, I wonder how much it is the fact that he didn't have uh, the 49ers fandom starting or voting for him all year. It's true. Because I feel like he probably would be the starter if he had been with the team all season. But the Panthers is one, one of, if I'm not mistaken, uh, one of the smallest fan bases in the NFL. And I think they knew pretty early on that it was not going to be a good season. So they probably didn't do a whole lot of voting. It's crazy to me. Like everyone knows Christian McCaffrey's really good. Everyone knows his impact that's since coming to the 49ers. I'm stunned somehow that he was. I mean, look, Miles Sanders is having a good year. Christian McCaffrey's having a great year. Great year. Tony Pollard, like you said, not even the starter on his own team. Very good season for Tony Pollard. Not Christian McCaffrey good. That's the crazy part about it. Uh, shout out to Mitch Wisnowski, also having a good year. Glad to see he became an alternate. I would not have guessed that Debo would have ended up as an alternate. I would have guessed that he would be a starter, but you know, the year has not exactly gone great for him. Jake Brendel as a Pro Bowl alternate is incredible. We never would have predicted that in a million years. Uh, if I'm being honest, I don't know how deserving that is. I'm not going to pretend to know how deep the center position runs. Part of me feels like that's just a, hey, this team has a good record, so I'm voting for their center. Okay, but like, do we even think that he'd play well enough to to garner that? No, but I mean, fine. Let me rephrase. He has been better than I expected, certainly, but I don't feel like he's necessarily somebody that will definitely be the starter next year. Oh, maybe, maybe not. But I think he's proven like he's good enough. You know, he's tall enough to ride the bumper cars. Yeah, I would say that, but are you deserving of the Pro Bowl if you might not even remain the starter on your own team the next year because they might want to upgrade the position? Hey, that's part of what being in Kyle Shanahan's scheme will do for you. Joe Thomas said it, like the scheme helps elevate linemen to where you don't, because you don't have to hold one block for three, four, five seconds. You can you can block a guy, move off him, go to somebody else. So it's a little bit of a different scheme. And I also think Talanoa Hufonga making the Pro Bowl, not as an alternate. He's on the actual Pro Bowl team. I mean, literally last year, this guy's coming in and saying, hey, I want to be a Pro Bowler on special teams. Now he's a Pro Bowl safety. <laughs> it's, I mean, a lot of Pro Bowling's about narrative and his narrative started out white hot this season. He started out so well that it was kind of instantly in everybody's mind that, hey, this guy's a, a really good player, probably Pro Bowl worthy. And then has, he hasn't kept that level of play in terms of being all pro level, I would say, but he's been very, very good. I think he's certainly deserving of the Pro Bowl and yet again, another draft steal. Absolutely. I mean, that I look at this whole like past two classes have really been impressive. Um, that's why like Khalil Davis, Kalia Davis came off of the non-football injury list and he returned to play. And some people I saw like Rich Madrid was like, ah, why do we care about this? This guy's a late round pick. And my response to him was like, normally I would agree, but this team seems to be unearthing gems in the late round. It's awesome. Maybe they found another one. Who knows? It certainly seems like it. Uh, 
in terms of late round steals, picks, gems, however you want to put it, uh, the Niners are probably the best in the league. You know, the top of the draft, um, there's a little more there, a little room for improvement, but certainly this team has been built off of the amount of hits they've made in the mid rounds. And honestly, if you go back and look, that's how a lot of teams, when they have their like championship window, so to speak, you go look at their draft classes and that's exactly how they did it. Go look at the Seahawks draft classes when the Legion of Boom was starting up. Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, all these guys that they plucked out of the draft. I don't remember exactly where Cam was taken, but you, you, if you hit on those later rounds, it's such a huge asset to you because not only do you get a good player, but you also get a cheap good player for a long time. And I mean, look, Spencer Burford, starting right guard, fourth round. Samuel Womack, very good contributor, fifth round. Brock Purdy, we all know, last pick in the draft. Aaron Banks is a second rounder, so I'm going to exclude him from this. Diamondor Lenore, fifth round, has been solid filling in this year. Hufanga, fifth round, pro bowler. Elijah Mitchell, sixth sixth round, was fantastic when he played. Unfortunately, he can't stay healthy. Jawan Jennings, seventh round pick. Like, this regime is plucking these guys out of the later rounds, the draft days that most people don't even watch. And uh, can we just cross our fingers that it results in one Super Bowl, please? <laughs> I didn't even mention Dre Greenlaw, who, by the way, is not even a Pro Bowl alternate, but he's another player taken in the fifth round who's a friggin' stud. He is a stud. And, you know, you mentioned him before we started recording that he was a snub. And I was like, okay, who did they name? And it's like, oh, right. That's why he can't make it. The problem for Greenlaw is he's an outside linebacker. And so many of the teams use the outside linebacker as a defensive end, but they get to count them as an outside linebacker. So your pro bowlers are Micah Parsons. Okay. You're not an outside linebacker. (laughs) Get out of here. Hassan Reddick is on there. He's got 12 sacks. He's a pass rusher. And uh, Zadarius Smith is the other one that's on the team. He's got nine sacks. He's a pass rusher. Like, yes, technically they line up as a linebacker, but that's because in their system, they're really the defensive end. Yeah, I agree. He's not used the same way, but he is just as impactful. It's going to be very, very hard for him to ever make a Pro Bowl as an outside linebacker because of that. Sad, but probably true. He's just as impactful at that position. And that contract that they gave him is looking smarter and smarter and smarter as the year goes on. And again, Hopefully all this is moot because hopefully the Niners are playing in the Super Bowl. So none of these guys are going to the Pro Bowl. Are you like, where do you come down on the Pro Bowl now that it's like a skills competition? Are you anxious to see it or do you still not care at all? Uh, I mean, I'm somewhat intrigued, which is more than I have ever been. I did (laughs) love the skills competitions. I remember them from the 90s. Yep. Uh, I remember being disappointed and tuning in, and Steve Young was, like, injured, so he didn't participate. Mm. Uh, I have this vivid memory. I don't know what year it was. It was in the middle of his, like, MVP years. It would have been, like, 95, 96, 97, somewhere in there. And I remember they were doing the long-distance throw. Yes. And it was a throw that had to be accurate. Like, you had a certain window it had to fall in, right? And I remember he was injured, and they all did the competition. I forget who won. But then he was like, well, I'm going to make one throw just because, because it wasn't like an arm 
injury and he ended up beating the person that won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but I like that stuff. I like I, to I see too. like they when they just uncork it and and see how far they can chuck the damn thing. It's really really cool. You know what was awesome? The kicking ones. I thought were because they were doing like horse and they were like bending it around palm trees and like kicking it through restaurants and all sorts of cool stuff. I will say uh, that I wish they would figure out a better way to do quarterbacks because like we, we saw those competitions where it was like an accuracy thing where they were making them like throw at these targets, you know, yep. and get a certain amount of points. And they would miss 70% of the throws. It's like, okay, change it to where they're at least hitting something. Yeah, I was always amazed by that, too. It's like you can throw a, a threat of pass 15 yards down the field between two linebackers, but you can't hit this moving target that's driving by at five miles an hour. I always thought that was strange. Well, it shows you how much the receiver adjusts to make it look more accurate than it was. Slowing down slightly, you know, changing the angle of what you're running slightly to body and make sure the defender can't get there. And then it looks like this absolute perfect drop of a pass and it was the wide receiver adjusting to it i think you can see that a lot more at like the combine you know they make these throws and you can see the wide receiver slow up and then it ends up being this perfect over the shoulder catch you know so you're saying they need to attach arms to those targets as they drive across the field <laughs> yeah maybe i give a wide receiver like a joystick and it's like a video game they can try to adjust the target at the last second i don't, I don't know i will say you know, that long distance throw competition, you know, what was winning. Like, I, I can't remember if it was 66 or 67 yards. And I think about that now. It's like, I guarantee there are multiple quarterbacks in the league right now that would blow past 70 yards, maybe even hit 80 yards in that thing. Yeah, I think Baker threw a 70 yarder and he's not even like thought of to have one of the stronger arms in the league. Right. Isn't that insane? Like 67. You're talking about all these Hall of Fame. I remember Marino was participating. You had Steve Young, Brett Favre. I remember was participating in the, in that competition and they couldn't get to 70. It's like, it, like think about what Justin's fields did in his, you know, scouting day, the pro day, pro day, sorry, not scouting day, the pro day, you know, he did that in a pro day. I mean, I would love to see it. Like think about who would be in it. Like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, like, oh my God, it'd be fantastic. I even remember watching Larry Allen do the bench press. You you can go on YouTube and you can watch that. He puts up, he puts it up like 47 times like it's nothing. Like I was lifting a toothpick. It's unbelievable how fa and, and the other players are watching him like in stunned disbelief. So I think that there are, if they pick the right things. There are some really cool, interesting, entertaining things that they could watch, which to me, I agree with you, is much more intriguing than watching everybody play at 20% speed of a, of a two-hand touch football game. Right. You, you don't want people hitting each other in that game, so it's kind of pointless. It's a, it's, it's a sport built on, hey, you hit each other, and <laughs> right. you don't want to hit each other. So Yeah, when you can't play it like we're used to seeing it played every Sunday... It definitely loses a lot. All right, let's get beyond the Pro Bowl talk here because there's a game. What, this isn't a Pro Bowl podcast? Yeah, no. Oh. Now, if we could get a trip to Hawaii, then it <laughs> will quickly become a Pro Bowl podcast. I'll tell you that. But no. Oh, come on, SB Nation. I know. Well, um, <laughs> it feels like forever since the 49ers have played. They do have a game coming up on Saturday, Christmas Eve, against the Washington Commanders. You know, the vibes now are at an all-time high, and I just, 
want people to realize that this is not going to be a walk in the park game. This is not showing up to play a scrub team. The commanders are fighting for their playoff lives. They have a very good defense. They've given up the fourth fewest yards in the league and they allow less than 20 points a game on the season. Like this is going to be a challenge and I know everybody loves him right now, but we still have a very inexperienced guy in Brock Purdy at quarterback. It's a weird game because to me, it, it it's the biggest trap game psychologically of the Kyle Shanahan era because they just won the division. They've won it. They won it where? On the road against their biggest rival. And now playoffs are locked up. The lowest they're going to be is the three seed. Mm-hmm. And they're playing this other game that's not a marquee game. I mean, it's kind of become more in the last few weeks because Washington went on this win streak. Like, nobody was looking forward to this game. It's kind of like you look at it and go, wow, they have a winning record. Huh. You know, that's kind of how Washington has crept up on people. So I feel like it, it, it's a game where the team could very easily just not show up. But on paper, I just can't see this Washington offense scoring points against this defense. Because not only is the defense, you know, otherworldly, but this offense just does not match up. Heineke is not going to be able to do anything against this defense, and their their run game's not that great either. Brian Robinson's come on of late. That's part of why they've gone on this win streak. But he's not going to be able to run against this defense. It's just... It's one of these that like, yeah, it's a big letdown game. But at the same time, how does Washington score 20 points to win the game? I want to go back to something you said. I know one person that's going to be ready for the game, and that's going to be the head coach. Because you know he hates this ownership group. and I this you were going to say Trent Williams. Well, actually, yeah, too. Because you know Trent's going to be ready to go yeah. also. Did you? Yeah, he's not going to be uh, giving the middle finger to fans prior to this game. It's a home game. He's going to be giving it to the opposing team. <laughs> Did you see uh, there was an article about Trent Williams recently that the Niners tried to get him in 2019 and they offered more than they eventually gave up to get him. And Daniel Snyder said, oh, nope, we're not going to help them win a Super Bowl. I don't care what they offer. We're not going to do it. It's just like if I was a Washington fan, that would drive me crazy. Because that's not your job. You're not supposed to worry about everybody else. You're supposed to do what's best for your organization. But Daniel Snyder is such a spiteful jerk that he didn't do that. And then they eventually end up trading Trent Williams anyway to the same team for less than they would have gotten. So that worked out perfectly for the Niners. You know, I didn't think I would get here, but uh, I'll just say it. I, I have no sympathy for Washington Commander fans. Because the only reason why Daniel Snyder has lasted this long is because they haven't forced the issue. Can you imagine if the Niners had an owner that has done all the things Daniel Snyder? This fan base would be rabid to get rid of him. So I just, I'm not going to have sympathy for that fan base that just kind of goes, yeah, we don't like him, but hey, we're going to just ignore all of that so that we can keep rooting for our team and show up and pretend none of that's going on. Well, it's not great. In Washington right now, that is for sure. But it worked out to the 49ers benefit. Kyle Shanahan's going to be a political comment or a football comment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, when are they ever been great in Washington for the football team or politically for quite some time? <laughs> I'm going to be 38 next month. Uh, I'd say for about the best 38 years. They have been good um, since we've been voting. <laughs> yeah. 
there's only one way that this offense scores in the defense, though, to go back to what you were saying, and that's if Brock Purdy turns the ball over. I tweeted out something on Wednesday that a lot of people got mad about. It wasn't even my thing. I quoted an article from The Shocking. Ringer. People mad at you. I know. Stephen Ruiz of The Ringer wrote an article, uh, one big question facing each Super Bowl contender. And for Brock Purdy, I'm just going to read right from the article. Quote, Brock has four turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF. If he had enough dropbacks to qualify for the statistical charts, Purdy's 4.5% turnover-worthy play rate would rank fourth worst in the NFL, behind only Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Taylor Heineke. Now, I get it. It's a small sample size, and you take one of those turnover-worthy plays away, and all of a sudden it shoots, and I get it. And I'm that's not my point. My point is... He's still a very inexperienced guy, and we have to keep an eye on how he protects the football because that's really been the key to how they've continued to sustain success when he's been in there. It's the fact that the turnover-worthy plays he has had, except for one, they've been dropped. And so he has to get better there. If he doesn't turn it over, the Niners can win. But if he does and sets up Washington for opportunities to score, Heineke can make some crazy stuff happen and and the Niners can lose. To put it frankly, we don't know jack shit about Purdy yet. We don't. Because there are plenty of quarterbacks that have come out and they've looked great. And you're like, wow, this guy really has something. And then a, a defense figures out something to limit him, some kind of disguise that he doesn't figure out and he turns the ball over. And then he never figures out and he keeps doing the same thing. And we've seen one of them. Nick Mullen started out hot. We thought, hey, this guy might actually be a starter. You know, a, a certain journalist infamously wanted him over Jimmy Garoppolo. And look how that turned out for Nick Mullins. He struggles to stay in the NFL. So maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. It has certainly looked promising. I would say the difference for Purdy is he truly has shown an ability to read a defense. And if you can read a defense with speed like he does, I, I feel like the floor is a lot lower than what you would have thought for somebody with his physical limitations. First of all, forget Purdy. I mean, forget Nick Mullins. Jimmy Garoppolo looked great in 2017. <laughs> and guess what? He ain't the guy either. So we're a long way from knowing anything about Brock Purdy. But I agree. I feel like Brock with the Niners, and I know the knock on him in college was sometimes that like he he play he didn't recognize his own limitations it seems like with the Niners he does recognize his limitations he's not trying to jam the ball into a super tight window 30 yards down the field he's not trying to make you know these Mahomes type plays he's just trying to go out there and keep the train on the tracks and as long as he has that attitude I think they'll be okay yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if it happens this year prior to the playoffs where the 49ers get down and it becomes a situation where the defense knows, right, you're desperate, you're passing, we're going to send the house, we're going to you know, just tee off, we don't have to worry about you running the ball or, or trying to do a pitch play or an end around a Debo or any of that because you have to pass. Can you do it then? Because that is a big difference. When when the defensive line is able to just tee off and speed rush and come right after the quarterback, it does make a big difference. And when the defense is also able to drop seven back and know that they don't have to worry about 
some kind of run that they didn't see coming or like I said, the end around or even like a screen pass. You know, if you're down big, you're not going to be going screen pass. It'll be interesting to see if he can handle that. The good news is this defense is so good that he's probably not going to face that big of a deficit if he is playing from behind. It hopefully will be, you know, only a one score game, which doesn't totally take you out of, you know, what your game plan needs to be. But I will say this. I was kind of surprised Jeff Dini tweeted this out. Brock Purdy in his last three games on throws of 10 plus yards down the field. He's been very good. 14 of 20. 312 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, and a 131.3 passer rating. So when he does push the ball further down the field, he's been very good. Now, I think part of that is Kyle Shanahan is in his bag calling plays. I mean, that second touchdown pass to Kittle, even the first touchdown, he's wide open. Like there's nobody even close to him. But that has been the big thing with Brock talking about keeping the train on the tracks. When Jimmy dials that stuff up, Brock hits it. And he's hit every single one of them pretty much. Off the top of my head, I can't remember one that he's let slip through his fingers. Whereas Jimmy Garoppolo was like 50-50 on those. He was letting a lot of those slip through his fingers. Brock hasn't done that. He puts the ball on the money. Right. So the thing with Jimmy that people were still pointing out, even this season, even though Jimmy was better, was, yeah, he got this 5-10 yard completion here. But look at this guy that was wide open 15, <laughs> 20 yards down the field. Yep. On the opposite side of the field. Jimmy just didn't see it. You know, he he was so amped to go, well, I know I can complete this, so I'm not looking elsewhere and I'm going. You know, and yes, it was good, but at the same time, he's missing on the big splash plays that really turn the game. And Brock is not missing on those. He's seeing them, recognizing them pre-snap and getting to them quick enough. You know, and I think that's part of the key is those aren't always the first read. A lot of times it was with Shanahan, that's not the first read. He wants you to look, and if there's something easy, take it. And then, oh, yeah, we also have this that might end up being wide open down the field. But I, we've seen multiple times where Brock sees it and gets the ball out just in time. I feel like there's always plays built into the offense that are like, hey, this guy could end up wide open. They're not the first read, but. In the back of your mind, like, be aware when Christian McCaffrey's out wide, there's a chance that safety bites up and he's open for a long touchdown down the field, like we saw. So if Brock is able to process things to where, okay, the first read is open, but also it looks like this other route in the back of my mind that might be open actually is going to be open. And like you said, he's getting there. Sometimes he's taking some hits as he's delivering the ball. The good news is, he said yesterday that he's feeling much better than he felt last week. Apparently, it was way more serious than the, than they let on, which you poo-pooed the injury, as I recall. Did he play? He played, but it was close. You asked me, do you think it, there's, there's a chance that he doesn't play? And I said, no, he is playing. I mean, they literally said, and he literally said, he didn't know how long he was going to be able to play. Like, they had Josh Johnson ready to go. Yeah, he was probably in pain, and if he got hit in the right spot, he would be out. But that's the case. Hey, this guy's playing on a little bit of a, you know, hamstring that's tight. If he strains it, he's out. We don't know if he'll make it through the whole game. Uh, Always the case. Any kind of banged up thing. Hey, if it gets worse, he won't finish the game. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You poo pooed it, and you were wrong. I think that that was not wrong. He played the entire game. There was a zero percent chance of him not playing that game. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, he literally didn't even throw a pass all week. And 
boy, you don't even <laughs> just just sit there in your wrongness and be wrong. OK, take the L on this one. <laughs> but luckily, he's he's feeling much better this week. So that's obviously good. Um, Kyle said that if they needed the game, Debo would have a chance to play, which is a great uh, sign. Obviously, he's not going to play this week. He doesn't need to play. There's no reason to rush him back. Kyle actually laid out his thinking when it comes to that. And I actually, he he sort of converted me because I was kind of on the fence. Should they rest guys, whatever? And his basic thinking was like, look, if you've got an injury where you'd be a game time decision, you're out. Like, we're not going to play that game. Other than that, you're playing and we're going full pedal to the metal because that's the way to keep the train rolling and and fight against, you know, coming out flat and guys needing a week to get back into the flow of stuff. And I, I like that, number one, that was his thinking. Number two, he explained it. I feel like he doesn't always explain the thought process behind his decisions. And now I'm on board. Like, okay, I get it. This is what we're doing. And yes, there's injury risk, but there's injury risk no matter who is out there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't agree with sitting people. You know, I, I grew up, uh, if you're a loyal listener, you'll know this. I grew up in Indiana during the Peyton Manning years. Tony Dungy was infamous for resting his starters in the final week if they had already locked up a bye. And they had multiple years where they did that. And then they had two weeks off because they had the bye. And they came out flat as hell and got beat at home in the playoffs. So I think you've got to keep going. But I do think there are ways to play people, but not play them to the degree that you would have. So Christian McCaffrey would be the perfect example. Yeah, you don't rest him completely, but you don't play him 89% of the snaps like you did last week. You don't give him 25 touches. You play him 60% of the snaps and you give him 15 touches. You know, if Debo plays, yeah, you keep him involved, but maybe you don't run him because you're not desperate enough to need those runs. But you might just make sure he gets the ball a few times on like a screen pass if he hasn't gotten it organically through, you know, a route run. So there's ways to like limit the injury risk while still playing them and keeping them kind of in the in the mode of playing. And I think Kyle looked at last week like, hey, we may if we have to even push guys a little bit harder this week, we're going to do it because of what was at stake, the NFC West title and guaranteeing a top three seed. Christian McCaffrey had more carries last week than any running back in the league. You know, there's no reason to do that again this week. And I don't think that Kyle will. Um, But I agreed, like, get these guys in there. You know, it's so funny, right? Everyone said, oh, fire Kyle Shanahan. He got Trey Lance hurt. And yet here we are with the Philadelphia Eagles going into this game this week with their backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew because Jalen got hurt running the ball closer to the middle of the field. And the, the torches and pitchforks are out for Sirianni too. A lot of angry Eagle fans blaming him. It is what it is. Um, I will say that I wouldn't really call off the dogs at all this week. Because as long as that number one seed is sitting out there as a possibility, as small of a possibility as that is, you got to keep going. Because getting that by week is a big deal. So to me, I think this week, you really just play like you would, like you have to win the game. But if Philly wins, then there's no chance of the one seed. And you can kind of relax a bit. You still want the two seed, but you're not going to necessarily... Like I said, give Christian McCaffrey 25 touches trying to get to the two seed. So just so people know, Philly, if the Niners are going to get the one seed, Philadelphia has to lose out. If Philly wins any of these last three games, they are the number one seed in the NFC. So that 
obviously is you know you're going to need some help there now it's it's possible we don't know for sure but it's possible that Jalen Hurts doesn't play again in the regular season I know Kyle Posey was kind of convinced that he thinks this injury is a little more serious than the Eagles are letting on I have no idea one way or the other but that would be a huge step in the right direction for the Niners if if uh, Jalen Hurts doesn't play the rest of the way the Eagles schedule if you don't know it off the top of your head and why would you let's be honest Cowboys this week in Dallas, which is obviously Cowboys are going to want to win that game. The Saints the week after that at home, but the Saints defense has been coming on. They're not pushovers. And the Giants in week 18 who may be fighting for their lives. So it's possible without their starting quarterback that the Eagles do lose all the next three games. Is that like the craziest thing? No, I don't think it's the craziest thing. I think Gardner Minshew is may might be the best backup quarterback. In the league, uh, I think he is vastly underrated. I think he should be a starter in this league. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of his. But I do think that there, there's also the factor that not only could the Eagles lose out, but people are kind of not even talking about the fact that the Vikings could get the number one seed. Right. Like the Vikings still have to lose there. And people aren't talking about that because if the Eagles lose out, that's three games in the NFC. So they would have four losses in the NFC. Meanwhile, you have the Vikings. They currently have three losses in the NFC. But if they win, uh, if they win their games, they t- overtake them in the uh, in, in the uh, scheduling. They would have a better record than the Eagles, and they would have the number one seed. Which, by the way, sets up the possibility. To me, that's the worst possibility. But sets up the possibility that the Niners would have to travel to Philadelphia in the divisional round. Well, so here's the thing with Philly. Right now, they're 6-3. and three. They have to finish with a worse record than the 49ers, obviously, if the Niners are going to get the number one seed. Or not worse. If they're tied, the Niners right. should get it because the Niners right. will have the better conference record, hopefully. Niners have commanders have this to, week. Because the Niners have to win out and Philly has to lose out. Right. So if the Niners win out, they would be 10-2. and two. In conference, because they have Washington this week and they have Arizona. Those are the last, two of the last three or NFC games. So they'd be 10 and two. So that would be a better record in conference than Minnesota. So if they finish tied, the Niners go ahead of them in the seating. That's, of course, the second part of this is Minnesota. But here's the thing. First of all, if the Colts could project a 33 point halftime lead, <laughs> we wouldn't even be talking about this. So Minnesota has the Giants this week. That's not going to be easy. The Packers in Green Bay in week 17. And the Bears in Chicago in week 18. And the Bears have shown they are no pushover. Justin Fields is playing much better than he was earlier in the year. So it's not out of the realm of possibility again that the Niners do have a better record than than both of those teams. Yeah, it, it is possible. Philly has a pretty tough remaining schedule. Uh, and if Jalen Hurts doesn't play, now there's been some reports that he's capable of playing as early as next week yeah which i mean to me that means he's probably not playing next week but if they had to win in the final week to guarantee that they get the number one seed when they play the giants i feel like he would be reinserted and at that point heavy 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 favorites against the giants but for the the vikings they're going to be favored in all those games like none of them are cakewalks but that's the Giants, which might be the worst team with a winning record in the NFL and two teams with losing records. So 
they're easily winnable. I, I think it's likely that they end up going two and one down the stretch. And it becomes a question of can the Niners go three and oh. And I think that they can. I don't think that I think honestly, like if the Niners are really gonna play pedal to the metal, they should go three and oh. Even with Brock, they should go through, especially because the Cardinals have, have Trace McSorley. They're, they're on their third string quarterback. Derek Carr plays like a third string quarterback. So, yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, but it's it's definitely possible. And it is something to watch for these last three weeks, even though the NFC West title is locked up. Uh, and and the playoff road, man, it's 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 very possible the Niners don't have to play either the card, uh, the Cowboys or the Eagles until the NFC championship game. Sign me up for that, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens in like once the playoffs are set and those wild card games happen, the teams that are remaining because they reseed each round. So say the Cowboys win their wild card game, that would throw the seeds off, right? Because they would be a lower seeded team because they're not going to win their division if the Eagles are the number one seed. And that means they would go to the Eagles. So it's going to be very, very hard for the Niners to get a matchup with the Cowboys that's before the NFC championship game. So it's kind of this situation like if you told me, would you rather play the Cowboys at home or the Vikings on the road? I would probably choose the Vikings. Yeah. I don't think the Vikings are good. I really don't like they have Justin Jefferson. He's amazing. And that's kind of it. And their defense has given up more yards than any other defense in the entire league. So I'm pretty confident the Niners would be able to move the ball against them. But we'll see how it goes. It's going to be exciting. I'm I'm so looking forward to the rest of the season. And when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, that is not something I thought I would be saying on <laughs> December 22nd. But here we are. I just saw this to sort of bring things full circle. Christian McCaffrey led all NFC running backs in fan voting. So him not making it as on the active roster falls on players and coaches not voting him in, according to the system that the NFL has in place. That's insanity. Like, that is insanity. How could players and coaches, they just must not know what he's done. Because if you... No, they know. Uh, to me, that that's uh, maybe spitefulness. That's a... Uh, we hate that you got him <laughs> and that you're making it work. But uh, to be frank and get ready to write here, uh, that means the players and coaches that didn't vote for him can f- go f- themselves because that's ridiculous. Oh, wow, that was a double. That was like two in one second. You're welcome. <laughs> that's that's just absurd to me. And I again, mean, I, there's no other way to put it. For them to do that and overtake the fan voting when, like you said, he leads all NFC running backs and yards from scrimmage, and you don't even have the argument, oh, yeah, but some of those happened in the other conference before the trade. No, he played for an NFC team. So right. all of them happened in, while he played in the NFC this year. So that's uh, inexcusable, to put it in a little more PC-friendly way. Thank you. Give the bleep button a rest here. <laughs> Uh, I, and again, it's not a big deal. You know, it's Pro Bowl voting, whatever. We hope that they're in the Super Bowl. So it's not even a thing, but it just, I, I care about it. It drives me nuts. Cause like when you look back on somebody's career, what do we say? 10 time Pro Bowler, five time All Pro. Like it does matter. 
And the dude is having an historically good year. It's not like he's just scraping by, but yet here we are. We got to see Miles Sanders and Tony Pollard in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> okay. So let me end this show with, I think, some stats you'll like. You know, since you get the nickname, uh, let me get some stats. I don't know if you saw these tweets from me earlier today, but I find all of these fascinating. I'll start with the defense. They gave up a scoring drive 24.5% of the time. Best in the NFL, right? Okay. So less than a quarter percent of the time does the opposing team get the ball and end up getting points on that drive. The amazing part of that is they're the best in the NFL by 5.6%. The gap between the second best team, which is the Eagles, by the way, and the 13th best team is also 5.6%. So they are lapping the field. Yes, lapping the field. Insane statistic. But there's an even better insane statistic for the defense this year. They are currently leading the league in points allowed by 40. Once again, the Eagles are second. They, they have allowed 40 less points than the Eagles. You know, everybody's played 14 games at this point. By weeks are done. That's so 40. much more. <laughs> right. 40 points. They are on pace then to get 48 points at the by the end of the year. If they keep the pace that they've had, they would be at 48 points. That would be the biggest differential between the first and second team in terms of points allowed since the 1986 Bears. And yes, I mean 86. The 85 Bears were even better than the 86 Bears in that. But the 86 Bears were 49 points. So you're going back almost 40 years to find a defense that was that much better than the field. Those are two very impressive statistics. I actually saw another. The 49ers are forcing the other team to go three and out. So again, not talking about just stopping the team. We're talking about three and out 35% of the time, give or take. So basically two out of every five possessions, the 49ers make you go three and out. That's right unbelievably good. Like we hear these things and I feel like it's kind of like, yeah, we get it. The Niners defense is good. Like this, this isn't just good. It's great. It's incredible. And when Dante Whitner said after the game on Thursday, this is the best defense in the history of the 49ers organization. I pushed back because those defenses in the eighties were really, really good. Even though people didn't talk about them as much as the offense. And I still want to see what this Niners defense does in the playoffs but they are definitely in the running to be the greatest defense in the history of this organization. Yeah, I think those are the three stats that really stand out as like, here's the argument that they're historically good, not just a really good defense, but they got some history behind them. By the way, I also looked up the amount of times that the Niners have been uh, top 10 in both defensive points allowed and offensive points scored. And there's only been five times. I think it was five. It might have been six times in the 49ers history that they've been top 10 in both of those. And the Niners are currently top 10 in both. So it's a very, very good year. They obviously did it in 2019. So it's happened recently. But it's only been a handful of times in the history of the 49ers that they've been dominant in both sides. And to do it this year, playing three different quarterbacks. Like, again, this is not a normal thing that happens to teams. We we're, <laughs> we love it, obviously, and we're in it now. But I think that when we look back on this year, months from now, years from now, it's going to look even better. We're going to be like, did that really happen? 
because this whole story is just absurd, but it's awesome. You know, there's different types of seasons. And we've talked about this. Like there are seasons like when you're the Chiefs where everybody knows you're really good. You're expected to be really good. And you go out and you play. And guess what? You're really good. And those are fun. But then there's seasons where through questions on the roster, through injuries, whatever it is, you're not quite sure. Like, can we really keep this thing going? And then you do. And you do it again the next week. And you do it again the next week. Like the 49ers did in 2011 when they got all the way to the NFC Championship game in Jim Harbaugh's first year. And we were like, is this really happening? Those types of years are special in a totally different way. And that's kind of where we are this year. Um, Those years don't come along very often. So just enjoy this ride because it's fantastic. Speaking of fun things, I know you love trivia. And my last statistical related thing, it's kind of a fact and statistical related is a trivia question for you yes okay now, if you saw my tweet you know the answer but i did tweet it out earlier today so this came about because eric branch tweeted the five top five career passer rating leaders in nfl history but he said uh or he, he just listed them all five are active and uh some, I don't, I don't know how, what word you want to use to describe him, but somebody replied saying, you should stipulate that this is just active players. And he said, it's not. Drew Brees is sixth. <laughs> Every single. Jeez. Yeah, the top five. Fit, the reason why he tweeted it is number five is Jimmy Garoppolo. Currently, <laughs> of course. Right. Uh, but I was like, okay, let me look at this because I knew, I knew it's obviously with the uh, rule changes, things have changed in the 2000s. So I wanted to go look it up and it was even more dumbfounding than I expected. So out of the top 40 in career passer rating, there are only two that didn't play a single down in the 2000s. Can you name those two? Well, one is definitely young because when he retired, he was number one. Correct. I mean, you're asking me this, so I'm assuming the other one has to be Joe Montana. Correct. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) All right. Isn't that insane? Out of the top 40 career leaders and passer rating, only two didn't play a single down in the 2000s. That's insane. But that shows how the league has changed. But it also, and it applies to everything, right? Like quarterback play, receiver play. Like I saw somebody tweeting like, oh, Justin Jefferson's on pace to be the next Jerry Rice. And it's, like, hold on, like, slow down there. You cannot just compare the raw counting stats. That's just, it's a different game. It's literally not the same game. And I think that you just proved that with that. I like that little nugget, by the way. Yeah, I, I didn't know it was only going to be two 49er Hall of Fame quarterbacks when I looked at it, but I knew there was only a handful. That's what I was thinking. I was like, there's only a few that played in the 2000s. I didn't know it was only two. Um. But by the way, just to illustrate even further how much the league has changed, we all know Alex Smith had a horrendous start to his career, terrible passer rating. He's one of the quarterbacks in the top 40. <laughs> Andy Reid will do that for you, man. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's one of the reasons why passer rating really doesn't mean much of anything anymore. Before we go, I need a final score prediction from you. What do you got? Uh, I think. Once I keep saying it's going to be low scoring. I do think it will be low scoring. Uh, I guess it shouldn't be that shocking considering we're on our third string quarterback and we have the best defense in the league. But 
I, I think the Niners struggle a little bit more than they have in recent weeks. I think Purdy is going to have some struggles with this defensive line because they're they got a pretty damn good defensive line. Uh, but I do think the Niners get to 20, and I don't think Washington gets to 20. I, I think they only get to 13. I think they have three scoring drives, but they struggle to get in the end zone. The over-under is 38 in the game. I mean, you say you don't think Washington gets to 20. Nobody gets the 20 against the 49ers unless you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Other than that, has anybody, I mean, the Falcons got to 28, but don't forget seven of those came on a fumble recover on a scoop and score by their defense. So they got to 21. So Kansas City and Atlanta subsequently back-to-back weeks, by the way. Other than that, you don't get to, you don't get to 18, let alone 20. So I think lately you don't even get to double. (laughs) I know. You struggle to get to double digits. It's absurd, uh, but I agree. I think it is going to be low scoring. I don't expect Brock Purdy to be, you know, dropping deep touchdown passes left, right, and center. I'll take the Niners 23-17. I think that I think that Taylor Heineke will do some cool stuff, um, and I think that Brock's going to have at least one turnover in the game, um, but the Niners should win. Be win number 11 on the season. It'd be a nice thing for your Christmas Eve if you celebrate Christmas. Are you, uh, I don't remember. I know you're not a huge Christmas guy, but do you do anything special on Christmas Eve? Uh, Yes, I do something special on Christmas Eve. I sit around saying bah humbug. You go caroling, right? You go door (laughs) to door, right? Levin Black sings the hits. Uh, No, nobody wants to hear a cat shrieking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but no, I don't, I don't really do anything special. Uh, I do have a two and a half year old and a wife that likes Christmas. So, uh, I guess that could be changing. I don't know, but, uh, this year's, uh, Christmas plans got torpedoed, uh, on Friday. Uh, well, I told you prior to we recorded, but I got a very sick dog. Turns out he has, uh, I guess quick background. We came home from a doctor's appointment for the for the kid and the dog was just hacking nonstop. Couldn't Ooh. was taking really short breaths and you could hear like it like it was hard for him to breathe. He was making noises as he did it. Uh, my wife timed him. He was doing 80 beats per minute uh or 80 breaths per minute and they're only supposed to do like 25 to 30. Oh man. So I took him to the emergency vet. Uh I'm broke. Let me lead with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh he had pneumonia and his esophagus is like 10 times the size it's supposed to be. 10 times? It, yeah. So your readers or listeners aren't going to be able to see, but basically an esophagus is supposed to be like just a, a fraction of an inch. And his is like three or four inches big. And what that's doing is uh, he can't stop anything from coming up. So he basically has severe acid reflux. His stomach acid can come up, which makes him feel like he has to puke at all times, makes him cough, but also makes him not want to eat anything. And if he does eat, he has to puke. So this could could be permanent, could not be permanent. I have to wait two weeks to find out. But you literally have to hold him vertical while you feed him so that it doesn't come back up. So uh, we were planning on going to my in-laws in Nashville and having my dogs in a kennel boarding. And uh, that got canceled and we are staying home. So we scrambled to go get food because <laughs> we we're planning on being gone a week. Uh, so, you know, my, my Christmas plans were uh, changed at the last minute, which means I now have to do a little bit more of the Christmas because, you know, when I'm at the in-laws, sure, go do what you want. 
you know? Right. Here's the kid. <laughs> I'll see you later. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, man. That's really, that's tough. I don't have a dog, but I know that everyone that does have a dog talks about how it's literally like another member of your family. And that's obviously a horrible thing to have to go through at the holidays. I'm not even going to ask you about the instant reaction podcast because you clearly have a lot on your plate to deal with. So don't worry about that. We will well, carry I was on. Planning on joining, but now you want to replace me, huh? No. So did you hear? I know you popped in a little bit last week. Did you hear we were supposed to have Vish and then he got sick? So Akash jumped in. And in Akash. Yes, I, I saw the banner that said Vish. Yes. And so it wasn't him. I had to switch it up. I'm not going to say what Akash said. I was listening during that part. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> he but said. I can't say that. Right. That's, and that's it. He said, not me. I'm quoting Akash here. He said, quote, you replaced one Indian guy with another, which is a great line that I could never say. I would never say. Uh, but yeah, that's how it worked out last week. If you can join, of course, I would love to have you, but. We can play that by ear, but I hope you listening join because I will be here. We have rescheduled my entire Christmas Eve. We usually used to do it at night. Now, because of the game, our Christmas Eve is starting at 11 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast. I have rescheduled the whole holiday to accommodate the 49ers game, and I'm proud of it and happy to do it. Yeah. And we'll be here live after the game on the Niners Nation YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. Also, my Twitch page, at Stats on Fire, if you don't follow me there. We'll be breaking it all down. Not, we're like the Postal Service. Neither rain, nor sleet, nor snow, nor holiday. We're working, baby. <laughs> there, There is one good thing about not having to go to my in-laws. Uh, the Niner game was causing problems, and there had been debates back and forth. <laughs> no. Because they have Christmas dinner. Or Christmas Eve dinner. That is their tradition. And uh, that wasn't happening for me. Right. This is a Niners game. It wasn't not going to happen. <laughs> and so I said, well, why can't we have like brunch? Have it before the game. And I got torpedoed to use that term again. They said no. And I said, well, then why don't we do a Christmas dinner? We'll just have it one day later. We're there for four more days after that. So it's no big deal. We're going to be there until Thursday. Nope. It's Christmas Eve. That's our tradition. So they were literally going to try to have this big fancy steak dinner during halftime. I was going to have to rush in. Halftime is 15 to, minutes. <laughs> they were going to have to try to time the steaks to be done right at <laughs> halftime so that I could eat quick and go back to my game. But the extra wrinkle there was that I have a two-year-old who's obsessed with me and there is no way that she would keep eating if I was leaving to go to the mm -hmm. other room. So I knew it was, the day of was going to be like this huge fight where I finish eating really quick because I eat quick and I want to leave and my kids throwing a fit. My wife's like, you can miss part of the game. Like I, I could see that fight coming mm. and now I don't have to worry about that. Why can't you just have like a separate table in the living room where you and your daughter can sit and watch the game together? That might have happened. I don't know. <laughs> this, I guess so this, there, were, there were debates that have gone back and forth. I gave them option of before the game or the next day and they said no and i said well good luck having me eat during the game <laughs> you know we weren't we weren't truly arguing or anything it was just me making suggestions and them saying well can he miss you know part of the game i was like no because the part of the game you want me to miss is the second half the game like, <laughs> the game that could end a marriage <laughs> you know i mean if they were like hey we want to eat but it's right at game time be like, okay, I'll miss the first quarter. Right. If you're you going to miss, you miss early. But no, like 
they were wanting to have dinner like at six o'clock, I think. And it was like, no, because I guarantee I missed the end of the game and that's not happening. Yep. That's exactly why I was like, I we go to my mom's house. I was like, mom, listen, game starts at four, four thirty, whatever. We got to be I got to be home. I got to be in my spot, in my chair, watching the game. So we move the whole thing to 11. And the cool part is my aunt and uncle were like, oh, we're moving it. Awesome. That's way better for us. So now <laughs> I look like the friggin' hero because I've rescheduled the holiday. And really, it was all just to accommodate the 49ers. So two things real quick. One, please give us a Saturday game on this week next week, next year, too, because Sunday would be Christmas Eve next year. Aha. And I, after playing the Thursday game last year, which I think was Christmas Day, I can't remember if it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, the Thursday game last year against the Titans. Uh, but I, I, I don't like having this affecting, <laughs> like it's not a fun fight. <laughs> oh, it's not yeah. a fun argument to have. But the other thing is uh, because you're having it early, that, that means you got, what, pie time during the game? Plenty of time to sit there and eat pie, right? Pie. <laughs> Overrated dessert. Cooked fruit. Terrible job. Actually, the Titans game was the 23rd last year, but it was a was Thursday. Hmm. Uh, really? Could have sworn it was the day before Christmas. And if you are wondering, yes, Christmas Eve 2023 is on a Sunday. So, yeah, if we could sneak in this Saturday, that would be ideal. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Who knows? Who, the who knows? We might not be married then, you know? <laughs> the quarterback of that team <laughs> After is this year. probably Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Who the hell knows at this point? But, again, join us after the game. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're also still going to have a crossover podcast on Saturday. It's going to come out early Saturday morning. So if you want a deeper dive into the commanders, we'll have that for you as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We appreciate all the reviews coming in. Please leave us five stars, but if you want to go below that, we'll still read it on the show. Uh, Levin, I hope you have as happy a Christmas as possible. I hope that uh, the dog recovers and that everything can return to normal for you. Thank you for everything that you do for this network, which is a lot. As much as I like to give you hell, I do appreciate it. Yeah, you're saying that to the guy that keeps missing these instant reacts pods, but that's not my fault. The NFL should schedule the 49ers schedule around my schedule. You know, <laughs> there's priorities here. <laughs> what were they thinking? Yeah, how dare them? Enjoy the game, everybody. Have a good holiday. 